we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Realities Ours podcast, and I'm one of your hosts tonight, Nate, and I got Paranoid American as my guest host. What up? What up? And, dude, we have the awesome, the fucking great Clint Russell on. Thank you, sir, for joining us tonight. My um, pleasure, guys. I uh, I definitely I, I, I dabble. I dabble in the conspiracy theorist arts, so this will be fun. Yeah, man. I mean, we can fuck you up if you want. <laughs> i'm ready Brother, i'm ready uh, so this is your first time on the show do you want to uh, give your plugs and tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff sure uh at liberty lockpot on twitter and uh liberty lockdown everywhere else clint russell's the name if you just search liberty lockdown on uh youtube rumble rockfin spotify everywhere you'll find me hell yeah and fucking uh and uh tower gang man mm. My apologies. Yeah. Yes, I, I I keep forgetting because like that used to be, on. yeah, that, that used to be my side gig that was just like for fun with the homies, and then all of a sudden it started to get traction. So now we're taking it more seriously. Um, me and the uh, the Tower Gang guys will be on Timcast IRL uh, about ten days from now, January seventeenth. So that'll be a blast. Um, it's going to be the second time I've been on there, but the first time I've been on there as a more of a comedy guy. So that'll be interesting. Hell yeah, dude. That's going to be fucking fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, well, man, I was just, we were talking a little bit behind the scenes before we got started, and I was saying that I found you from uh, the Legion of Skanks. And, uh... <laughs> that's, so, that's so weird, because I, I, I've never been on there, so what, what was it? I know I get mentioned by Dave sometimes, because he and I are good buddies. Did you guys, I think that's where I, yeah, that's possibly where I found you. Didn't you win some kind of fucking contest, and they partied <laughs> at your house? This is where I... Yeah, right. I was wondering if that's what it was. So but this was like the first month I started my podcast and then uh, the Liberty Lockdown. I started it in like May of 2020. And the next month they were doing the Ballerist Skank competition. And I'm a independently wealthy guy. I was an entrepreneur, mortgage broker. I shut down my company like one month prior or like one month after lockdown, same time I started my show. Um, but I had a really nice house in San Diego, California. So I sent this video into Legion of Skanks just saying, like, I'm definitely the most baller skank. Like, I got the house on the water in San Diego. You guys got to, you know, come party with me because that was what the whole contest was for. They ended up going with some other dude in, like, I don't know, South Carolina or something. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous, but weak. Yeah, it, it's all good. I ended up being good friends with Dave, like, a year later. So, you know, it all worked out. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, uh, Dave is fucking great, man. He was my first red pill. He was uh, what turned me on to libertarianism. Hell listening yeah. to him on uh, the skeptic tank, listening to yep. him do the, yeah. The, the, the State of the uh, Unions that he does. State of the Bari. Union, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I actually found Dave, I think it was like 2015 or 16 was the first time he was on Joe Rogan. And I was a religious Rogan listener. Um, and I heard Dave on there and I was like, oh my God, like, he's me but he's on joe rogan he's on my my favorite show uh, so i immediately subscribed to part of the problem uh i don't think i've missed an episode since and and uh now i've been on there you know like four or five times it's uh it's all it's all come full circle in a really weird way but i am not complaining at all it's been fun fuck yeah dude that's fucking Nate, awesome. Nate, you said that you had a, a red pill i was just curious uh like clint what would be your go-to sort of line of reasoning to just like sell someone immediately that's let's say they're on the fence already you don't gotta it's not a hard sell but but they gotta be pushed off like what's well, what's man, the it depends the what pill one? what pill am i handing them 
Like, <laughs> see, I was like a, I was already uh, like a anarchist, but like I was more like a leftist anarchist, and I was like a really progressive, big, had, big like, government anarchy going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I heard Dave Smith just basically he gave me a lesson on economics, and it fucking made sense. And I was like, oh, socialism's <laughs> retarded. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. It's so weird because like, I feel like I do a terrible job at uh, bringing people over from the left. Dave does a great job. I, I do a really good job bringing people over from the right. Um, it's weird. Like the, I'm glad that you use the, the red pilling uh, metaphor because I think it's a really apt uh, metaphor because essentially I view it like being a doctor. I, I diagnose the patient. I go like, were you harmed by a forced medical treatment, for instance? Well... I have some things to talk to you about then. Or are you uh, are you a military veteran that went over and experienced the insanity of Iraq War one, two, three, four, five, or six? <laughs> you know, like, um, and and just from like whatever their background is, I think that's the best way to approach it. I don't think that there's a silver silver bullet that you can fire at anybody. Like you have to you have to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was a pretty, I, I was just a fat, poor beaner. So, like, I thought I had to be a Democrat, you know? And uh, is that the rule? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, pretty much, especially because I was, I grew up in California. So, like, you, there's no choice. It's like yeah. I would give up being a Mexican. I'd be, a, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's funny to me because and, uh, I grew up in San Diego and had a lot of Mexican friends. We never talked politics, so I never had any idea that like Democrat was, you know, part of their lifestyle because they were all for the most part, they were all like Catholic conservative type of people. So that's very weird to me that that would be uh, an obligatory party affiliation. I think once you it's, pass it's, the California state lines, all bets are off that you like you leave the Catholicism at the door, essentially. Uh, OK, OK. It's an interesting thing, man. It's like. uh it's just default. You don't have a fucking choice in it. It's like, uh, and but the Mexicans, they don't like, they're not super political. They just want fucking, they want welfare and like, you know what I mean? If we're poor. So like mm. one party like pretends to like us and gives us stuff. And so that's, like we just we vote Democrat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, but you're right. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the majority I never, of I never really talk conservative and religious and they should be, you know, you'd think they'd be more right-leaning and they are like culturally, but yeah. like, you know, I just, I, I think that they're losing the, the Mexican demo uh, with the Latin X shit. They're like, they're like trying to yeah, make for sure. your, your very language, uh, you know, sexist in nature. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're not doing that. So <laughs> barking up the wrong arbol, if you know what I'm saying. Dude, it's fucking funny. Cause it's like, it's like them. It's, it reminds me of like them trying it's cultural, like uh, it's cultural imperialism, right? They're trying to like take over our shit and they're trying to tell us what the fuck to do. It's like, uh, your name is Toby. My name is Kunta Kinte. You yeah, know what dude. I mean? It's like, for sure. it's, it's for real like that shit. It's fucking wild. They're trying to tell me I'm Latinx. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, I just want a political party that doesn't hate me. And they're like, shut up, Pablo, just vote Democrat. We're not giving you shit. <laughs> Exactly. No, I mean, that was, I think that was part of the red pilling process too, was realizing that the Democrats were full of shit, dude. Like just watching, because 
I had a lot of like uh, pretty hard leftist, like some, a lot of my friends are still like an Antifa sort of thing, you know, that kind of thing. And um, just watching them turn on a dime for like, because uh, I thought we all believed in free speech. I thought that was a given. And so it turns out I was just more of like a classical liberal, I guess. And I thought I was a fucking like wild progressive or something. And then I realized progressives literally have no fucking, they have no principles at all. They'll just fucking sell them. So well, they got, uh, they got one principle and it's power and uh, power. And I think, exactly. you know, once, once you realize like that's, that's the game, it gets real, real concerning and it, it really activates people that like recognize it. Um, you know, as I told you guys pre-show, I'm going to have Jesse, Jesse Kelly on uh, January 27th. And he, he has, he's very radical in that he's just like completely convinced that there's a, you know, communist takeover essentially of our culture. And for the longest time, I didn't agree with that. And, but I think that like, after I've, I also have James Lindsay on tomorrow. He's really, uh, as I've listened to him over the past year and a half, he's really, um, you know, schooled me up on the academic slide that we've experienced where, uh, you know, through social emotional learning and things like that, you, you really have weaponized kind of a cultural Marxist revolution through academia as well as you know even all the way down to elementary school um and because you have an entire generation that's been indoctrinated with this this way of thinking well we got a lot of problems we got a lot of problems and i don't think that most people even conservatives are privy to the depths of the depravity and you know that's kind of been my 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 next level of red pilling is like wow we're up against it yeah, man. It sounds too simple when people say it's a communist takeover, but they're not fucking wrong. Like, no. you sound like a boomer when you're talking about that kind of shit. You yes. Like, no, it's goddamn communists. Yeah. Well, see, the reason you sound like a boomer is because the Republicans, if you were to talk about a, a communist takeover, they're going to focus on the CCP. If you're yeah. if you're actually red-pilled on what's happening, you're going to talk about the colleges. You're going to talk about the education system. You're not going to be worrying about China so much. I mean, even and though China may. You're also going to talk about the neocons. Those yes. fucking those communists. And well, I was going to say you clothing. can just cut right to the yeah. chase and just say Rockefeller <laughs> and Macy yeah. Foundation. And I don't I don't know if either of you guys are familiar. There was a guy named I think his name was Norman Dodd, and um, he claimed that he was in charge of um, some of these really big uh, philanthropies, like back in the the 50s or 60s. And that he was like basically going through all the fine print and realized like, hey, wait, we're just kind of like a money uh, smuggling uh, organization here. We're not actually doing any actual philanthropy. And that as he started digging more into it, a lot of that money was just going into academic institutions, which then in turn would just fund the philanthropies uh, back who would write the books and then sell them to the academic. It was just like this Ouroboros of money and government and edu education. Um, but it was essentially that was kind of my red pill was because uh, I always figured, you know, um, Democrats are the good guys because they're all the ones that are raising money and helping everyone out. And they've got the, you know, the fundraising, the philanthropies. Uh, and then that the conservatives were kind of like the opposite and they were like tight pursed. But man, when you actually look into the origins, of a lot of those philanthropies, I mean, they were actually set up to so they could like escape the tax brackets that they were going to about to be in and then just create all these different foundations upon foundations. Yep. You nailed it. I mean, that's what it is. It's a and FTX is the the modern iteration of the same money laundering operations. Um, so I don't think anything's changed. Just the, you know, it like the 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 cover to the book 
gets gets changed, but like the actual text of it stays the same. Like they run the same game plan over and over. So so in the early eras of, of America, like in the early you know 20th century, essentially, um, a lot of that money was going. It, it came from and went into like eugenics up until I think like mm-hmm. the 50s or the 60s, and then eugenics. I want to say it like fell out of favor, at least by name, but now they still do the same kind of test. They just call it like hereditary tracing and stuff like this. But let's say we're in the 21st century now, and let's say eugenics is kind of like old world. What would all of this FTX funding go into? Because it seems like they own the education system. Um, they've got kind of the eugenics roadmap laid out. So what would be like the next big goal? Is it like transhumanism? Is it something specific? I think it's transhumanism uh, for some of them. Um, but I think it's really just a technocratic one world government type of, or supranational, but one world government in effect type of model, uh, through the world economic forum and the people like that. Um, that's, that's honestly my opinion as to what's happening. And then there's also a, a bio warfare with central bank, central bank, digital currencies, as well as social credit scores. I think that that's all in the works. And, uh, for the longest time I thought that was, you know, woo woo like alex jones way off the reservation type of stuff but really i'm I'm curious why what what part of it seems so outrageous at first well i'm i'm talking 20 years ago when i <laughs> when i felt that way i mean most of these technologies didn't exist at the time so you know to to envision that many steps ahead seemed extraordinarily far-fetched um but over the so, past some of us were just drinking the kool-aid <laughs> probably earlier yeah on. well some some people were for sure i i wasn't i just wasn't like i wasn't able to see the evidence because, you know, m- many of his predictions are like he's gotten wrong on timeline, you know, because he would be like, by 2008, you know, the U.N.'s going to we're going to have blue helmets on the ground. And it's like, no, that didn't happen. So, you know, um, but I I still think that he's he's right. Just the timeline was off. There was a, a book, I think, in the early 90s called Spy Chips, and I can't remember the the author of it. But she was writing about how RFID at that time was already about 20, 30 years out of date. Like they'd been using RFID for inventory since like the the late 70s or the early 80s. But in this kind of dystopian future, she was describing that if everyone has this RFID, whether it's in your body or it's in your shoe, your phone or whatever, just as you walk up to the front door of that Gucci store, it runs a quick credit check on you, it runs a quick social check on you. And if you can't afford to be in that store, then the, the door just doesn't open for you. And that, that was kind of like this passive version of it where like you don't literally get canceled and you don't get like a notice in the mail that says you're not allowed to come. Like you just aren't, you know, de facto, you can't get in. Right. Well, I think... I think that's kind of what we realized is is a plausible future when you had the lockdowns and you had the uh, the vaccine passports that that demonstrated to me not just the technological capacity but but rather the political and cultural will to accept those things. That's what I didn't expect to see. I I figured that you know technologically you might have the ability, governmentally you might have the demand or the or the desire, um, but I didn't think that you would have the acquiescence from the people. And that concerned me deeply. I couldn't believe it when I realized it. And I still sometimes struggle to believe that the American people in particular are so cowed, so weak, so brainwashed that they just can't see this stuff. Um, I, I had a tweet that went uber viral last night where I was talking about um, the the Idaho uh, you know, mass murderer. Did you guys, you guys know about that story? Yeah. Okay. Do you know how he got caught? It was through uh, like 23andMe kind of bullshit, right? Right. But it wasn't his DNA. He didn't submit shit. Yeah. It was his parents 
who had su- submitted their information to 23andMe. They then, you know, went, I, I don't know exactly the details because it's still, you know, a very preliminary story, but it seems as if the, the police uh, either have full access to that database or they just create a fake account. They submit uh, the DNA that they collected at the crime scene into their database to find relatives. They find the relatives and then they, they backtrack from there to find the murder um, or the alleged murder. And I just think that like, however you feel about the government, uh, you should be really, really nervous when they start to use our DNA to, you know, track us, even if you've committed an egregious crime. And and if this guy's guilty, then God bless. I'm glad he's off the streets. But at the same time, I am not at all comfortable with the government being able to use my relative's DNA to be able to track track me down. So I might be wrong, but I thought it wasn't it like uh, it was like the Google CEO's wife. Isn't she the one that started 23andMe? It's something like it's something outrageous like that. So it's like deep fucking it. That shit was always deep connected. And yeah. all of this stuff is like it. The government wants to do this shit, but they know they're technically not allowed to. And so they have corporations do it and then they can do it and you can't even like subpoena them for information and things because they're a private company so it's, it's, it, it's we the are exact at same the merger thing. yeah we're at the merger of the state and corporation we're, we're living in fascist like exactly we're there De- like we're there. actual definitional fascism not the donald trump fascism but like the real deal we have big business that's in bed with the government uh, circumventing your rights i mean we've all now learned this explicitly most of us suspected it or knew it years ago um but big tech with the twitter leaks we now have hard evidence that not just one but basically every three-letter agency was using uh the private businesses quote unquote of social media twitter facebook instagram all of them youtube i'm sure google of course uh as as cutouts as workarounds to circumvent the bill of rights uh to basically suppress free speech and uh, open dialogue but doing so under the guise of you know national security or whatever, whatever. It's all bullshit. But they, I mean, once you realize what we're up against, it gets to be extraordinarily daunting. You're like, what what are we to do here? I mean, we like even the the private businesses that you you would expect to have somewhat of an antagonistic relationship with the government are now entirely in lockstep, like horrifyingly yeah. in lockstep. Some of them, you know, receive their funding for their their research, their the inception of their very companies facebook being the most famous example um well i think that's honestly why some of those corporations are where they are as big as they are it's because they were created for that purpose but i think that this is the chicken or the eggs like kind of situation it's like this company didn't arise out of nowhere facebook didn't become the fucking giant behemoth it was without fucking without uh cia money right no it's true i i mean it's just Obviously true. Dar- DARPA has been the seed seed funding for many of these of the biggest businesses that have ever existed in the history of the world. That's the truth. <laughs> you know, uh, extrapolate from there what you will. I mean, there, the there's an easy wanted. correlation there too with like you're saying, like CIA behind all of it, with like MK Ultra, for example. MK Ultra was just the financing arm of all those crazy tests, right? Those those tests were happening in those hospitals and asylums, regardless. But when the CIA says, "Hey, we've got some shared interest here." We'll foot the bill for all your research, but you send us all the results first and you don't send them to anyone else. You just kind of take that exact same template and put it down onto any 
sort of small business or, or corporate structure. So now it's, you know, if it's Twitter, if it's Facebook, it's like, hey, you know, we would love to get into that space of knowing everyone's like deepest desires and fears and relationship connections. So here we'll foot the bill for this, but you got to give us a, you know, give us like the guest house key so we can come and stay whenever we kind of want to. And that's sort of how it, and, and I want to mention too, that one of the scariest aspects of this isn't what they can do. It's that they already are, able to like pair all of our digital fingerprints and know exactly who you are but there's laws that prevent them from connecting those dots but all they do is keep those dots right next to each other so the second the law changes there's just a little switch that's like okay now we can actually pair all of this personalized information to you and actually track you through like they already know who you are and they know your behavior there's just some you know painful little tedious laws that they got to step over so never like add one plus one, even though they know it's two, you know what I mean? Right. And, and that's kind of the scariest aspect is not what they're doing, but like what they could possibly do if the law just changed the tiniest little bit. Someone just misplaces a comma somewhere all of a sudden. Well, that this is why I'm so convinced that, you know, uh, central bank digital, digital currency, as well as social credit scores are in the offing. You know, I, I really do believe that. And also because I'm a libertarian and uh, my background as a money manager, as well as my education in Austrian economics, I'm like, I know that we're going to experience a you know cataclysmic fiat default cascading wave across the globe at some point. And when that happens, like the inevitable answer will be to transition to a central bank digital currency. And once that happens with the, you know, panopticon level technological infrastructure that they've already established that that switch that you're talking about flipping well it's going to get flipped and when it when it flips and they know exactly where everyone is at all time they know all of our patterns they know everyone we communicate with they know what we do for work they know our sexual uh picadillos they know everything about us well good luck rising up against a state when they have that level of information yep <laughs> I, i'm curious what uh let's say let's say digital currency comes uh from from government centralized digital currency and no one wants to use it um and and people want to start referring to like a barter system or just using you know what i'm just curious what would be the non-digital currency that takes over fiat we're we talking gold bullets uh just food yeah. like what what would be like the the mainstay no i think it would be golden bullets <laughs> i really yeah. do yeah like yeah. a, and silver. I, I'm investing silver in ammo, uh, canned goods, tobacco, yeah. alcohol, things that you can like pick up. Like, I don't, dude, I've had so many people on here that like talk crypto, and I just don't think that's it, man. I just don't. It might not be. I, I like, I am, I'm not saying don't invest in it, but don't put all your fucking eggs in that basket. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've said that <laughs> a thousand times. You know, I think it's terrible financial advice to ever tell anybody to put all their eggs in any basket. Um, so yeah, I, and I, for the record, I don't have even 10% of my net worth in cryptocurrency. So like, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a true believer. I'm not a maxi. I'm not one of those guys, but at the same time, I do think that like, if we're going to have a, a high level functioning economic system that is in fact decentralized, that's Bitcoin is probably our best bet at it. Um, I'm not at all convinced that it will prevail. I think that if it ever gets to be a, a true threat, to the U.S. dollar's you know global hegemonic domination, then they will do everything in their power, including rounding people up and you know everything you can imagine to to yeah. prevent that. I mean, you've seen what they've done to Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein, and they attempted to do to Assad in Syria. What they're currently doing to Putin in Russia, uh, no, they they will they will do anything 
to keep the yeah. dollar alive. Yeah, man. I think just my argument against crypto, I actually just had an episode with a guy on talking about this, is that like the internet basically is their thing. Like the, the military made the fucking internet. And so if you think that any of this is going to be decentralized as far as like cryptocurrency, I mean, that's what the fucking... Uh, God damn it! Why is my brain not working? That's 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 what the ledger is all about, right? That's what uh, the blockchain is all about. Every single thing can be seen. You know, yeah. it's it's a it's transparent. And so I don't know, man. I just I'm I'm not putting my fucking eggs in that basket. Particularly, I know that there's like uh, what do they call those? Like privacy coins and things like that. Yeah, Monero. But if if you are like accessing it, I'm holding up my phone, but my blue my green screen isn't letting isn't showing it. But if you're accessing it through your phone or through your computer, I think they have back doors to all that shit and can see it anyways. Well, yeah, if you're using <laughs> if you're using a Google phone or an Apple, yeah, yeah. they they almost certainly do. Um, I think that like the the one advantage we have right now is that there's it's such a deluge of data that they don't really have the capacity to to dissect and analyze and process it in real time and act on it. So. I think that with the advent of, of artificial intelligence and supercomputers and things like that, like once that exists, we're fucked. Like we're in so much trouble at that point. Um, but we're not there yet. So enjoy the next decade, folks. That's about how much time we got. Well, well they're harvesting all our data. So even if they're not there yet, they'll, they'll be there in 10, 20 years. And then they might yeah. knock on your door and be like, hey, remember this thing that you did in 2006? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm this, curious. This is, this is why I believe you got to have multiple passports. You got to have uh you know uh, primary residence in in multiple countries like you got to be rich if you want to be free in the future i'm curious on your your take on this because we were just talking about crypto and specifically bitcoin one thing that that's interesting to me is that bitcoin seems to dictate the market um so like bitcoin's up all the other altcoins are up and i mean it's it's not a golden rule but it seems to be the trend like it is the trendsetter but if you look at the technology behind it I've always had this feeling that Bitcoin is popular just because Bitcoin's popular, not because it's particularly has any kind of uh, strategic advantage or like, for example, like Ethereum can actually do things with on the chain, whereas Bitcoin is just kind of there. Like it's just the ledger and numbers on the ledger, but you can't have sort of like smart contracts. And so I'm just curious, why do you think something like Bitcoin that doesn't really have the extra functionality that all these other coins do have. Why is it still the big daddy? Like why hasn't the big flippening happened where Ethereum takes over Bitcoin or, or anything else takes over it? Well, primarily because uh, Ethereum doesn't have a capped uh, supply limit. So it is not a, it is not a true competitor to Bitcoin in that, in that regard. Um, also first mover advantage when it comes to the cryptocurrency market is is bigger than any industry ever because of the network effect. Because once you have adoption and the capacity to utilize the cryptocurrency, um, which Bitcoin has more adoption and ability to use than any cryptocurrency that exists right now, as well as the most users on earth, uh, I think that that's, that's the reason for sure. I mean, the network effect is absolutely the reason. Uh, but then also it's it's cap supply and the fact that it hasn't, it hasn't really... Um, undergone the you know the the program like the programming changes that you've seen with ethereum and other cryptocurrencies like that and i think that 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 makes people highly skeptical because what you're talking about is basically an asset by which you can store your hard-earned savings and like you're going to cherish that and and you want something that's stable you want something that like you know i can i can sell this wherever i'm at 
I, I can exchange this or sell it or whatever. Um, you don't you don't have that same sensation with many of the other cryptocurrencies, and I think that's that's the primary reason that it's in a dominant, you know, catbird seat type of position. Um, as far as I'm concerned, like you can build a lot of the uh, the tools on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, like you've seen with uh, with Lightning Network. Um, you can do a lot of things on on the blockchain that will be able to compete with the uh, the innovations that you're describing that come along with the Ethereum chain. I don't trust Ethereum at all personally because of um, the founder. I think that it just anytime you have any sort of obfuscation of of what's actually happening with the code and things like that, I'm not fucking with you. Like like same thing with centralized platforms. Same with same things with FTX. Same thing like. You have to have not your keys, not your coin, cap supply. You got to be able to see exactly what's happening with the uh, the code. And that's why Bitcoin's dominant, man, because there's no no one else out there that's got the network and has those those principles. Sorry, that was a long answer. I apologize. Oh, it was a good that's answer. A good one. Yeah, it was a good answer. So let, <clears throat> let's talk about solutions, man. What? possibly uh, do we just have to enjoy the next 10 years is that the only answer <laughs> no I, I i'm of the of the opinion that you know a lot of people a lot woke up over the past three years um you know lockdowns really radicalized like if you were already one of us you became like a radical and if you were not one of us but like knew one of us you also became somewhat radical um so I'm very hopeful that, uh, particularly with the the treatment that the the MAGA crowd's receiving, that many of those people are waking up, going like, "Holy shit! Like I'm an enemy of the state because I voted for Donald Trump." Like, what? Of <laughs> uh, the January Sixers treatment, um, I, I just I think that there's there's a lot of reason for hope. Um, unfortunately, you know, the majority of people still receive their news and their information and their entertainment from you know, the powers that be. And I don't think that those people are are necessarily going to be saved. My honest expectation is that you will see a, a peaceful dissolution of the United States of America, a la the USSR in 1991. Um, that's my expectation. Uh, that's obviously a optimistic and hopeful one. Um, but I don't think that it's outside the realm of possibility. I think that when it comes down to it, most people in America are not going to want to take up arms against one another but I think we will also realize that we are no longer uh, share the same value systems and that we ultimately cannot coexist. Uh, that's, that's my opinion. I would sure like to see that happen. I'm curious because we know what happened to Russia when they peacefully disassembled. Right. America swooped in and fucked everybody. Mm -hmm. Who's going to come and lick our ass when, if we, <laughs> if we break up like that, do you think that like, China and Russia might swoop in. Like, what? What do you think? Like, is that is going to be the argument? Let's say of someone that is like, someone that's against that idea, and I and I'm pro that idea. But they're going to say that if we break up like that, someone's going to come and eat our lunch. Yeah. Well, and and there's going to be, you know, kleptocratic maneuvers in many of the states that that break apart and become their own nations. So, like, that's going to happen. You're going to have oligarchs that rise up you'll probably have oligarchs in california and new york um i think that the 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 breakoff nation that all want to be a part of will be the one that's you know the most liberty minded and the most well-armed from the people and will hopefully be 
the one that's the most uh, threatening when it comes to like, does China want to swoop in and try and mess with us? Like if they're going to do that, why would they mess with us when they could just go mess with, you know, the, the New York nation or the California nation or the DC nation, it, you know, like you're going to go after Florida nation. You're going to go after New Hampshire nation. Like that's going to be a mistake folks. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, so that's, that's kind of my expectation is like some of the, some of America is going to become just completely third worldy horrific. Um, and then other portions will become, you know, like Hong Kong almost um, where you have just incredible innovation and things like that. So, you know, I, I, I'm extrapolating a lot of years into the, into the future. So like, this is, this is my vision. I'm not at all certain that this is how it'll play out. We could have nuclear war tomorrow. You know, like I, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's what, that's my vision. That's what I'm driving towards. That's what I think is the best possible outcome, particularly with the technological innovations that we're experiencing right now. It's like, this is the best thing that we can hope for. And it's also the one that causes the least bloodshed. So like, why wouldn't I want that to be the path I I end up seeing. Are you, uh, are you interested or, or looking into any kind of like, um, mesh, like networks for like, cause I'm thinking the, the government can contact utility system and have your water shut off and your electricity, but you can make generators and you can, you know, filter your own water. But the internet is like one of these utilities that you can't just like create your own. You can tap into it and, and hop it around. But like, that's one thing that like you have to get from some kind of government, even if they don't know that you're getting it from them. Right. Well, I, I'm not sure that's the case. Like if you, if you use a VPN and you use um, like Tor browser and shit like that, can they, can they actually stop you from using the internet? I, uh, uh, well, I guess they can stop you, but they, but there's the international owns like the ICANN uh, name servers, right? So the ability for you to look up that name server and get to where you want to go, like that can be intercepted on either end. Um, yeah. So, well, I guess, I guess that's all possible. Um, I, I, I tend to believe that like, when there's a will, there's a way, especially with the, the technological innovations that we have at our disposal, like we will find a way. Like, I, I just, I don't think that we're ever going to live in a time unless nukes fly, which obviously then all bets are off. Um, but I think that we will always have access to the internet in some form or fashion because like that's now a vital part of being in a modern nation. Like you just have to have it. Um, so I think that there will be so much market demand for it that like, someone in little Appalachia stand will, will will come up with a satellite or something that that allows people to do it um but i, I don't know you know this is well, like this even is... elon musk in order i mean the official story is that ukraine couldn't get online until he started uh sending them all sorts of you know right. satellite connections but that required uh elon to give them those satellites and then let those satellites talk to you know or you know those receivers talk to his satellites so they could have pulled a switch at any point and then it seems like Ukraine just would have been offline unless you had some other alternate way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you could just have like, um, intranets, you know, like old school, uh, yeah. business type of things. <laughs> like where, Cuban like, internet where they just pass around like a hard drive. From yeah. Town well, to town. I mean, a, a little bit more advanced than that, yeah. but the similar concept where it could just be like 10,000 people in New Hampshire and you just have like New Hampshire internet, you know, like, um, uh, like it's all of these things are possible. I, I really don't know how, how it'll play out, but it's, it's going to be challenging for sure. Fucking a man. I'm just thinking about, we get like a Nancy Pelosi warlord over San Francisco when it breaks up. <laughs> I, I mean, she'll probably be gone by then, but Newsom Newsom definitely has warlord vibes to him. Newsom for sure. <laughs> you know, they're related. 
It's oh, fucking yeah. wild. It's her, it's her nephew. <laughs> it's a big I, club, man. I yeah, uh, and we ain't in it, but uh, I I hope to break it. So. <laughs> So, so do you think that this break, because I think the breakup requires people to fight back. If everyone's complacent, there's really not a lot of potential for breakup. I, I, I almost think that there's the spectrum, right? So on one extreme is you've got people standing up, breaking apart, forming little militias, you know, states breaking up. On the other end of the extreme, we now vote for the president through American Idol and the masked singer, right? Like whoever dances and sings the best gets to become the president. Right. Um, I think out of out of those two, I might be leaning more towards like the masked singer approach uh, because it it well, feels like that's kind of the the trajectory more so than uh, I don't see a lot of people taking up arm like anyone that was on the fence or anyone that had three guns now has ten right um, and and some people that had zero now have one but I'm not sure how much of a majority that ended up being versus people that that look at that and say. You know, you're not even really an American anymore. I can't believe you're perpetuating gun violence and yada yada. Well, I've got some good news for you. There's like, I think it's it's either 70 or 100 million uh, gun owners in America. So you're talking a lot of people that at least at some level value at a minimum their own self-defense. Like that's that's a prerequisite to being free. So you have at least a third of this country and that, and then you include their children who don't own guns, but are also part of them. So we're talking over a hundred million people, undoubtedly, that share this value, this like this basic, fundamental human uh, right to defend yourself value. So I think that you know there there will obviously be, and this is why I don't want to um, take over the federal government and try and be some dominant force that forces liberty on all these people who want to be slaves. I want them to have their slavery, but I don't want to join them in that cell block. You know, that's that's my goal here is like, leave me alone and I'll let you go be your slave by yourself. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I hope that we can we can just agree that, like, look, I'm never going to give up my guns ever, never, ever, ever. And and if you try and take them, it means war. So do you want war with me? Because I don't want war with you, but I also will not give up my guns. So it's like we're at an impasse here. Where, where, where are we going to end up? And, and my hope is that if a if hundred million motherfucking people say never giving up my guns and they just go, OK, well, then Tennessee and Texas and Florida and New Hampshire, you're your own nations. The rest of us are all communists now. You know, that's fine by me. That is a very hopeful vision, and I hope that it turns out that way. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it, I think it, it's just going to be a goddamn Waco situation, and they're going to kill us. It could be. It could, it could be, be. But but you're talking you're talking an enormous amount of people, and the yeah. government is not that big. People people way overestimate the size of the government. They're tiny. It's a small yeah. group of psychopaths. Exactly. Hundred percent. Exactly. But so. unfortunately. We have so many brainwashed morons that just obey, yes. just obey. And so that's how they get the majority is because the majority, well, I mean, they were brainwashed since elementary school to sit there and fucking pledge of allegiance and obey blindly and listen to their fucking teacher and listen to their. Yeah, it's just dog shit, man. And so they'll happily. And dude, I, and like you said before, it's like I didn't think that America, I thought that America had more balls than they do. And I was like just shocked don't. when it, when you see like <laughs> cops arresting some dude on a surfboard alone in the ocean yeah that like, was a what 
that was another <laughs> another red pill level for me too especially because that was a couple hours from where i was living at the time you know i was like holy shit we are deep down this rabbit hole um it, but like the, here's the truth there there is going to be at least 100 million people in this country that are never going to wake up ever probably more probably a lot more but that's not the point as long as you have 100 million people that do wake up that's enough that there is no i mean if you're armed to the teeth and you're 100 million deep like there's no nation on earth that can take you over like that's the whole reason that america's never been invaded because it's like you can't fucking take us you can't ground invade america you can't do it so um you know that's that's where we're at like are they going to nuke us okay if they want to nuke us it's then none of this matters anyways you know we don't need to 100%. debate this anyways so <laughs> 100%. Um, i don't think they will like i don't think that you benefit from nuking people <laughs> that much so um i think i think that's probably not how it plays out but then like there's no doubt that there's going to be some very perilous moments as the us dissolves but you know when you got to keep in mind too, we're dealing with relatively good economic times compared to like what we will probably experience in the not too distant future. So once you start to have either, either a terrible deflationary period where the every asset class just plummets, or you have a, an increasingly inflationary period all the way up to a hyperinflationary period. And you start to deal with like food shortages or people that can't afford to buy food. That's when you will see people really wake up. We are not there yeah, yet. Um, and, and we do not They're know how courageous people might be when they're hungry. Exactly. We still have Pornhub. We still have Krispy Kremes. We still have all this shit. Like we'll have Uber Eats. Yeah. Yep. The liquor stores are still open. Yep. Yeah. It, we're too fat and happy right now. You're 100% right. Once we start getting hungry, when we really start seeing like those meat prices skyrocket, like they are right now, but they're going to go up they're going to keep going up and then the only thing they're offering us is like cricket protein and fucking beyond beef and shit people are going to get pissed and i think that honestly that's what kind of held us back because like i was actually kind of shocked seeing like like canada get a backbone like that whole trucker situation right dude that was fucking amazing i didn't yeah. think they had it in them yeah i had a bunch of those uh I had one of the the uh, actual block leaders for the Freedom Convoy in Canada on my show multiple times. Uh, some of them on scene while he was, you know, being threatened with arrest and and everything else. And ultimately, he did get pulled off the street along with everybody else. But uh, I'm telling you, it was I think that was the first time I ever cu cried on my show. He was he walked he walked the streets, um, showing all the signs on the trucks of like. You could tell it was like little kids handwriting, just saying like, we love you. We're so proud of you. Thank you for fighting for our freedom. And I like, I even, you know, retelling it now, I still get chills. Um, it's, there's just something, I don't know if it strikes, you know, universally or if it's just like people like us that feel this, but I'm telling you, when you see someone fight for, for like just basic freedom, um, it's so inspiring. And, uh, I don't know. That's what I live my life for. I live my life to to spread that message, to spread that sensation, to, to let people know that like, no matter how dark it is, like we can find our way to that sensation once again. And yeah, I believe dude. that. And I will fucking fight until I die. Um, so good yeah, luck. Love it, man. Good luck yeah, breaking my spirit. Amazing. Yeah, dude, I was curious on your, uh, on your opinion, because like, man, that trucker, that trucker uh, convoy was so big and there was such a big like swell uh, of folks, it amazes me that Justin Trudeau got voted back in. 
it's it's absolutely insane and and it also amazes me that this red wave that everyone was expected turned <laughs> out to be a complete nothing uh how much in your opinion is this voting legitimate is this complete bullshit i like to me it's it seems like a big slap in the face i there's no fucking way in my opinion that <laughs> Uh, first off, I, I don't know. Um, my suspicion is that there is actual election interference. Um, but the, the, the bigger point and the, the reason I don't talk about election fraud and stuff like that very much is because I don't think it ultimately matters. The election was stolen via the propagandistic deep state the entire year lead up to the election. Like the, the whole reason that they would even be able to convince, you know, so many people to consider someone who's as despicable and as corrupt as Joe Biden is because they're propagandized and, and because they, they banned people like me from social media as aggressively as possible. Uh, we now have hard evidence that it was, you know, directed by DHS and CIA and the FBI. Um, so yeah, I mean, then you have all of academia, all of Hollywood, all of the news media, essentially, um, that is all pushing in the same direction, all propagating the same bullshit narratives about Russian collusion and whatever else, um, all lying to us about mask efficacy, all lying to us about the, the vaccines. Um, yeah, I mean, so like <laughs> whether they stole it on November 5th or wh whenever the election is, uh, it's kind of irrelevant to me. Like we're up against it in such a such a deeper way, um, because after I think it was Smith month in 2011, they they legalized the uh, you know the capacity for the federal government to prop to actively propagandize the American people and they have been doing it very aggressively and now we know that and it's up to the American people if they're going to you know decide to change it or not. Uh, I'm curious that no one has the perfect answer for this one, but do you think that the alphabet agencies by now have surpassed legislative and judicial branches, um, like? Because they don't get voted out, right? Like you can be in the CIA or you can be in any of the alphabet agencies from 20 until 70 um, right. and you don't have to go through elections or anything. So, yeah, well, and and they also have a revolving door between uh, not just media companies, which we all knew about. But now, I mean, they had an entire list of employees that were former feds that were active employees at Twitter. That's the that's the only big tech company we know about. You, you extrapolate, you add into that YouTube and Instagram and everywhere else. And you're talking like there's it's a distinction without a difference. Like the biggest company, the biggest tech companies on Earth are essentially wholly owned cutouts of the deep state. Like that's what we're up against. It's it's wild. Like it's hard to believe, but it's just factually true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not at all certain that you can actually you know, overthrow or, or, or abolish the FBI. Um, but like, that's my, that's my one and only litmus test for any politician I will ever consider voting for. Like, will you promise to do everything possible to abolish the FBI and the CIA because they're pushing us towards world war three? Like those are the two entities I want to see go. Obviously the federal reserve would undermine and cut cut out their legs and probably rendered them useless. So that's, that's my third one. 
Um, but if like I hit, I just had the the basic thing, the one thing I could ask for, it would be abolish the FBI. You cannot have a federal police force that's as corrupt as this one is. Oh, Nate, you're muted. Fucking a, brother. Yeah, man. I I was looking at some old videos of Ron Paul, and I don't even know why they were interviewing him because like he was so radical, dude. I it was so fucking awesome. I I can't remember who it was. I think it was like PBS. It was, and he was just sitting there explaining why we should legalize heroin and abolish the CIA. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, this is just the best thing in the world. He's, he's my hero. I Ron mean, Paul in 1989, G, man. 1989, he was calling for the abolition of the FBI. I mean, this is this is old hat for any Ron Paul styled libertarian, and I have been that. I'm a second gen libertarian, so I've been that for my entire life. And uh, yeah, he's right, and he was ahead of his time, as always. Did Ross Perot fit into that same category, or or was he uh, too corporate to be considered libertarian? He wasn't a libertarian, but he was um, he was a free marketer. You know, he was he was into the economic side of libertarianism to some extent. He just wanted um, to run the country like a business. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I don't really remember what his his uh, international diplomacy policies would have been. Um, but, you know, uh, an independently wealthy guy that that truly values capitalism and understands why it's the, the best you know model for everyone, including the poor. Um, I thought that he was he was our our greatest hope of, you know, actually bending this back towards some level of sanity. All the way back then, I remember I was in elementary school when he was running, and I was like, "Dude, this guy seems awesome." Um, but yeah, and then then our our second best hope was 08 and twelve with Ron Paul, and they ended up going with fucking McCain and Romney, and I was like, "All right, <laughs> I know what time <laughs> it is now." Like you guys had like Jesus Christ in the political realm was on offer, and you guys are like, "No, let's go with a warmongering lunatic and some corporate vulture." as our GOP candidates. I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, then there's no hope on the political side. You, you mentioned before that one of the things to uh, to not put all your eggs in one basket included dual citizenship. Um, so I know Mitt Romney's dual citizenship would probably be Mexico, but what what would uh, your extra countries be if you could you know, pick your top three? Uh, dude, I'm, I'm really not sure. Like I, I used to think of like Australia as being an option. That sure as hell ain't it. Um, you know, Canada, Australia, New Zealand are all police states, just DOA. So um, I think I think really the only option at this point, particularly with the potential for World War Three, you can't consider anywhere in Europe, even though there's many Eastern European nations that have like pretty, pretty badass leadership and like could could, could have been an option. But if World War Three pops off, like it's going to wreck all of Eastern Europe. So like you can't can't consider that. I think the only the only option on the planet honest to God is either Island living or, or, um, you know, Southern hemisphere, like Latin America. I think that's it. Um, I think that like, I obviously Island I, scare me cause I can't get off, you know, yeah. I feel too isolated, but yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying like, it's going to, it's going to come down to your own personal, uh, preferences. Like, but I, I think that Bali, you know, that's with, where I want to go. <laughs> I said that out loud now though. So I have to change it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's there's tons of negative side island living, but like if the whole world is melting down, you're in Mad Max level and you have a farm on an island, like you're doing better than anybody else on Earth. So, uh, you know, that's that's something to consider. Um, there's also, you know, uh, God, what's it? 
the nation that adopted Bitcoin as its primary currency. Uh, was it? It wasn't Argentina, was it? It was no, no. El Salvador, I think. I think it was El Salvador. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, like that. That one uh, could be hopeful, but obviously it's going to require that Bitcoin recover here soon. Otherwise, they'll probably end up getting taken over by the IMF and bankrupted into oblivion. So. When you say recovered, you mean headed back towards like 60k, or is there like a certain? I, I don't know target. what their acquisition uh, entry point was, but mm. they're so they're so underwater. I would imagine that if it doesn't rise here in the next year or so, they'll probably have serious budgetary concerns. Um, I haven't, in, you know, I haven't investigated it in the depth that I would if I was moving there. Um, but if anyone's considering it, I would certainly recommend you do that research before you do so. Um, so yeah, I'm rooting for them. I think that there's there's many other uh, countries that like the wealthy have used for expatriation that I would give consideration to. Uh, I think that Puerto Rico is going to experience some really rough times, so I wouldn't recommend it, uh, even though uh, that that used to be another one that I was considering deeply. There's there's lots, man. There's lots, but like you're not gonna you're not gonna live the way you you once did. Like it's going it's going to be a very big change. Um, so I think that's most people aren't ready for that. Yeah, man. I'm just I'm trying to get my fucking ducks in a row. Uh, like sort of my plan is just a homestead in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, and just that's you know. I mean, I don't need the fucking internet. I'm wearing a a Ted Kaczynski shirt, but with Donald Trump on the face. <laughs> nice. Uh, 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 I think. I mean, I and honestly, like, I think that you know, you could be okay. Like, I, I don't think that Florida will end up being okay because I think DeSantis will probably end up being president. Um, but like. New Hampshire, if you if you're surrounded by enough like minded savages, like you have a shot, at least, even if you stay in yeah, America, I'm, I'm terrified because I, I live in Florida. And even if DeSantis becomes president, I'm terrified of, of who takes his place here in the state, because it feels like the pendulum would swing to the other extreme. And now we're going to get, you know, <laughs> someone else. Yeah, no, it certainly could, man. I And I and I fled, you know, I'm a. Uh, a refugee from the great state of California after 37 years living there. I, I migrated to, to Florida. I'm in Miami right now and you know, I like it, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, if DeSantis leaves, I don't have much hope for the state. I, I mean, yeah. granted, granted so many of the people that moved here, um, you know, share my value system. So like there's a decent chance that they won't put in a, a insane leftist governor, but you don't know. Are, are you just a drop in the bucket of Broward County? Or Dade well, County, I guess. Uh, I don't know what that metaphor means, but yes. Uh, well, so every year, Broward County is usually the one that's like has the most fuckery going on in Florida, where they always oh. uh, withhold the votes, or all of a sudden it flipped. It hasn't happened recently, it, but it, that's... Brow Broward went for DeSantis this time. So yeah, typically, yeah. Well, and they also turned around in like record time. I think they turned around within like forty-eight hours versus yeah. like a week and a half that it used to take. Well, I'll tell you, after living and voting in California for a long time, I couldn't believe how secure and efficient the elections were here. Like you had to go to the, the actual precinct. You had to present identification. Like it's like they have reinforced in a, in a legal fashion. They have reinforced the voting system here in a way that I don't know that the Democrats can actually, um, you know, break it. So I Sounds mean, pretty racist. <laughs> How's that racist? <laughs> I have to show ID. Oh, 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 oh. yes, That's yes, yes, yes. Right there. Yes, that is the Hispanic face of white supremacy. Um, no, I think I think it's it's a it's a good system, honestly. Like I, I've been very impressed with the government here, and you know, for a libertarian to say that takes a lot. Fucking a man. <laughs> 
Well, let's, yeah, man, let's leave on a hopeful note. I, I like the idea that there are a lot more gun owners in this country. I, I agree with you that COVID, I think, has been the biggest fucking red pill. I think bigger than 9-11 as far as, like, waking people up uh, to at least the tyranny of government. 100%. And make them question, you know. Um, so I do, dude. I, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful, dude. I'm, I'm a pretty, like... I consider myself a realist, I guess. And like, I know that the cards are stacked against us, but like, I'm also a Christian and like, uh, to me, uh, God's going to win. So I, I don't know. That's kind of a goofy faith answer, but no. it keeps me fucking hopeful. And I, I think we're, I think, I think we win, man. Yeah. Well, I, so, and I, I, and even people, if we, you know, even if that's not the case, that's going to be my attitude all the way to the gulag. So exactly. <laughs> no, I think, I think that people, first off, people are always amazed that like I have such optimism and hope and faith in Liberty without faith in God. Cause I'm, I'm actually not, I'm, I'm agnostic. I don't, I don't have any faith in that regard, but I, I feel like I have, I have replaced that void with like a, a religious fervor for freedom. Um, and I, and I maintain the same level of optimism about the outcome that you do. I just, I just believe that like freedom is how people are ultimately, they, they flourish best. It's how we're meant to be. It's what we strive towards, even when we don't realize that we're doing it often, like most of us. Um, and I just think that that's, that's where we're going to end up and it's going to be hell in the interim. But I, I personally believe that we're going to find a way and that's all there is to it. And, and if I'm wrong, I'll see you in the gulag. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, we'll have a good time. <laughs> we'll play some cards. <laughs> Absolutely, some slop, some slop, and some rolls. I, I, I will be torturous on the, on whoever our guards are. They're not going to enjoy keeping me in prison. So, <laughs> Clint, thank you again so much for coming on, brother. Uh, you want to throw your plugs one more time? Sure. Uh, just search for Liberty Lockdown on. YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all over the place. Uh, Liberty Lockdown. The name is Clint Russell. And just continue to fight for liberty, folks. Like, do not give up hope. If we're hopeless, then there truly is no hope. So that's a prerequisite. Got to gotta have faith that we're going we're gonna to find a way. Dude, and I'm fucking pumped to see Tower Gang on fucking... Uh, yeah, that's going to be dope as shit. Man. I'm excited, man. I'm yeah. excited, and I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be interesting, but uh, it's my second it's time on there. Wild. so yeah it's gonna be wild uh, but i'm excited and and uh let's hope that you know if we can if we can't wake people up with like talking about hardcore libertarian shit then hopefully we can wake wake them up by joking about you know stuff that you're not allowed to all right brother well thank you again so much thanks guys cheers thank you